Welcome to Seeds, a show where we talk with people who are living lives of purpose and doing amazing things that make a positive impact in our world. We take time to listen to them as they reflect on their life journeys and what has shaped them into who they are today and what motivates them to be involved in what they do. Well, hey everyone, welcome along to the podcast. This is Stephen Moe, and I'm really glad you could join me as we get the chance to speak with Luke Campbell, who's the founder of Vexed, which is a new technology company based here in Christchurch. Now, I've been watching their journey for the last few years, so I was really interested to talk with Luke and what led him to start his entrepreneurial journey. I know you can enjoy this episode, and if you do, you might want to check out some of the more than 175 other interviews that I've done in the back catalog. The aim here is to build up an ecosystem of stories recorded on the podcast so that you can learn from other people's journey. And a big shout out to those of you who are sharing seeds on social media. It really helps if you listen to an interview and appreciate it. If you can share it on LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever, it really helps to get the word out. Now let's get into this interview with Luke. All right. So it's a real pleasure to welcome Luke Campbell, who's the founder of Vexed. Thanks for joining me. Thanks. Thanks for having me. That's no pretty exciting. And it's a bit unusual because normally I do these interviews um, face-to-face and in person. But of course, everyone is in lockdown right now, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. But but fortunately, we do know each other. And um, so that helps because um, having seen you face-to-face, I think Zoom is quite good after you get past the initial meetings, isn't it? It's, It's then a tool that can be used. But it's those first meetings, it's more difficult. Yeah, definitely. Maybe uh, Zoom is a little bit less useful as of late. Uh, I've I've got a lot of um, business contacts and and the likes who are using it less and less because of the security kind of scandal that's that's ongoing. I suppose. Yeah. Well, it'll be yeah. interesting to see how it develops. So, what we do on the podcast is talk about people's lives and their journeys, and sort of hear about where they're from, and then try to understand how that's led to what they're doing today. So in your case, it'd be great if we could go right back to the beginning of your life and just tell us a bit about where you were from. Yeah, um, so I grew up in Christchurch um, for the most part. Uh, when I was quite young, um, going to uh, preschool and things like that, I moved around uh, throughout Canterbury a little bit, but I ended up um, settling in Christchurch with my with my dad um, when I was, oh gosh, seven, um, and have uh, spent the rest rest of that, uh, I guess, my childhood growing up here. Um, yeah, so I went to uh, Beckenham Primary School, which was uh, is, is a really good school um, here in Christchurch, and then Cashmere uh, High, which is, uh, yeah, I, I really, um, I, I think really highly of those, those schools in particular. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. And what was your childhood like? Like paint a picture of yourself, like even back in primary school, what sort of things did you enjoy? Um, I honestly, technology part of it, because obviously you're in a sort of tech business now was, was, were there hints of it back then or? Yeah. Um, very much so. I think I actually, so probably one of the biggest recurring themes for me when I was growing up was, um, I spent so much time on the computer, so much time playing, um, computer games. Um, and that's probably, true of um most people my age or 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 even more so um people who are growing up today uh i probably from the age of seven i think and and this is definitely uh from what i know it's it's probably a lot more than most but um from the age of seven i think i probably spent you know six to 12 hours a day on my computer um 
I think I got into one of the first games that I really got into when I was uh, really quite young was World of Warcraft, which um, was uh, still is pretty big, but it was um, probably the most popular online game in the world back then. Yeah, right. Yeah. So would you call yourself, do you think you would be like a digital native? That's sort of a phrase that people use? Or Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I spent so much time uh, just engrossed in these games. Um, I mean, it probably would have been fair to say that I was a bit of a gaming addict um, when I was growing up. But uh, yeah, definitely a digital native. Um, I was, you know, regularly from the from that young age I would regularly kind of fix my my father's computer and he wasn't he wasn't in like a non-technical role or anything like that it's just happened that I'd done more um exploration and and more uh troubleshooting I guess on on that kind of stuff and so that kind of yeah I yeah I suppose I'm definitely a digital native Mm. and what sort of what was it that drew you to those uh those games and and that um was it was there a sense of community with people you were playing with or were there other elements to it or yeah um i'm not i'm i couldn't be too sure i mean definitely a sense of community i mean i was i was there was there was adventure and community and and maybe a little bit of uh escapism if i'm honest but um i mean i met so many people that that i had you know ongoing you know, even if they were online, but like friendships for for uh, years and years, and I'm still in touch with a few a few people that I met such a long time ago. Um, it was probably a bit weird for quite a lot of the people I met because I was definitely one of the younger people uh, on on kind of World of Warcraft and a lot of other games. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the people that I I met uh, whilst playing were, gosh, uh, you know, in their twenties or or much older. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting, though, thinking about the generations that pass and what what we grow up with, because mm. I'm older than you. So I remember I had what was called an Atari, Atari yeah. game. And yeah. these were very simple games. <laughs> they involved like, you know, the frog jumping across the road and making yeah. sure the car doesn't hit you. And like <laughs> it was very, very... Um, yeah, but they were of their time, I guess. You know, this is sort of late 1980s, and mm. it, it was um, it was pretty cool <laughs> at that time. Yeah. But now it's advanced so much further, hasn't it? Hey, uh, yeah, I think that's true. But in saying that, you know, there are some some of these things are really timeless. And you mentioned, you know, the frog jumping across the road, and I, th- I think there's a game out there. Um, I could be wrong, but called uh, Animal Crossing right now, which is one of the most popular games in the world, I think. And that that is basically a recreation of what you just described. Yeah, right. So things yeah. come in circles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, just describe in terms of the earthquakes in Christchurch, like obviously there's big, lots of things have happened in this particular city. Um, mm. Can you just describe what that was like for you? Like, where were you at? And yeah, how did that impact on your life? Because it's now yeah. almost, yeah, not quite a decade ago, but getting close to it. Yeah, long time. Um, I So the first uh, earthquake hit in September 2010. Um, and I was I was just finishing up the my first year of high school. Um, from, you know, I can remember it pretty you know, quite well. Uh, I actually slept through the earthquake because it, it was at something like 4 a.m. or yeah. Um, I know I slept through it, and I all like my my 
I have a vivid memory of, of just my father like banging on my bedroom door, which happened to be locked and, and waking me up. And I couldn't, I was, you know, surprised, taken aback. I was like, why is he waking me up so early? I'm exhausted. Mm. Um, and, and he was just shouting earthquake. And I, I didn't really know what to think or it was kind of like, you know, that groggy feeling uh, you have when you, when you've just woken up and then, and then I felt an aftershock and it was just, Un- unbelievably surreal um but i mean this is really this might be weird i'm not sure but um i and and it's because because I, I was so lucky i was never in a um situation where i was ever in danger during an earthquake i never had um any experiences where my yeah where i was in a in, in immediate danger so um i don't know why but i i actually kind of enjoyed the sensation of this so so new and and, and exciting in, the, in a lot of the ways that like a roller coaster ride i guess is is exciting and thrilling um in uh the february earthquakes i um it was a wednesday and uh school school was ending early on wednesdays for sport i think it was and, right. and so i i literally sat down on my bed at home the the moment the earthquake struck and and um, yeah, it was really, yeah, it was a really weird experience. I, and, and then obviously it was a horrible situation for the whole city. And uh, from then on, um, Kashmir, I started doing site sharing when, when the school reopened with um, another high school. And uh, so we were going into school um, quite early. I think we started, started uh, lectures at like 8 a.m. or something like that and finished at 12. Um, and, and yeah, it was a really weird experience for everyone, um, including myself. Um, I had friends whose homes were unlivable or whose, uh, and the rear, rear occasion that their, their houses were at, just destroyed. So it was, yeah, it was troubling times. Uh, the most, the most vivid memory I have is, is one, is, is of one aftershock, um, shortly after the February earthquakes, I was just walking down the a street and um, the aftershock struck and I think it was like a six uh, and, and I could just see the road rolling in front of me like waves with like just rising, falling by meters. And I, it was just the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen in my life. You know, it had a huge impact on so many, didn't didn't it? And and just thinking about that age that you were as well, like, um, how did how do you think it's affected your own, I guess, your own thinking? You know, like I I I, I was kind of grown up. I was actually living in Tokyo when it hit, and we had mm. the earthquake that hit Japan. Um, so it was quite almost two weeks later. You know, um, but yeah. I'm just curious. Yeah, how do you think it's shaped your own thinking? if at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it's hard to say. Um, obviously, the, the environment in Christchurch is such that, um, you know, we had these earthquakes and so much of the city was destroyed and, and, and we're, we, we, we've gone through this process of rebuilding the city and, and kind of coming to a point where um, we're finding a, a, almost a new identity for the city, I guess. Um, and 
that process of you know such a rapid change um in in my environment and i'm sure this kind of probably rings true for quite a few people in christchurch is that like um you know change has almost been a constant in my life in that respect and so i think that's i guess that i think in a lot of ways that's probably helped me to to you know but deal with change um maybe more comfortably i guess is that I think, mm. yeah um, no it's understandable particularly because we're about to talk about your startup mm. and startups as you know better than anyone are are you know there's ups and downs right there's yeah. you have to be pretty um able to withstand things and i think if you've been through an experience like the earthquakes and being in a city that's recovering and kind of I think it probably would, this is the reason for the question though, but I think it probably would shift your mindset a little bit in terms of that. One of the things I've noticed is that I think people in Christchurch are maybe a bit more willing to try things mm-hmm. because they've kind of seen, you kind of, you got one life, right? You yeah. might as well try your best. And if it doesn't work, well, you tried it and it, and it didn't work. And then you move on to the next thing. And, and I think the earthquakes helped people to, really understand um, how important it is to just get out there because life is short and it is, it does go by really quick and it's not until those big events happen that you kind of are forced to question why, what am I doing here? Why am I here? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah. So just talk us through then in terms of getting to the end of high school and did you know what you wanted to study? Like you, you went to Canterbury university, so stayed local. Did, did you yeah. have a particular area you were always interested in? Yeah. I mean, so um, just for maybe a little bit more context and I, I don't tend to talk about this so much because it probably doesn't um, uh, instill, uh, you know, a massive amount of confidence and probably the people that I usually talk to, um, so I was because, you know, in, in part because of the amount of time that I spent, um, you know, playing games and living kind of online in my childhood, like I, I didn't do well in high school. Um, in fact, uh, I didn't, um, I didn't get NCA level three, uh, which was um, required for university entrance. But I knew that I was going to go to university and I knew exactly what I wanted to study um, because uh, I as well as playing all these games and I, I spent a lot of time on YouTube and watching, you know, documentary after documentary. And in particular, I found a real strong passion for space and, and um, cosmology. And, and I spent um, a lot of time watching documentaries of the like of Cosmos by Carl Sagan, um, which, which really inspired me to, to, um, kind of study physics and I knew yeah from probably from 15 years old I knew I wanted to study physics and um then I really um started following uh uh, I guess Elon Musk and and SpaceX in particular because it was so exciting and you know rockets are just absolutely amazing and Mm. um that kind of uh I guess compounded I don't know compounded my passion for for science and physics and, and all of that, that kind of area. Um, and so, yeah, I, I uh, am still, still studying at the moment and I'm, yeah, I'm doing physics and I managed to find myself studying economics as well somehow. Uh, so 
yeah. Oh, interesting. So someone like Elon Musk really appealed in terms of what he's done. And it, 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 it seems amazing to me how many diverse interests he has. You know, it's, it's electric cars and it's, um, you know, tunnels to go underneath uh, the structure, underneath America, you know, yeah. hypersonic yeah. tunnels. And then, oh, let's go to Mars. And um, yeah, such a diverse range of things, right? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, one of the things that, that holds true throughout all of the, the stuff that Elon Musk is, is involved in is that um, for the most part, all of his companies and uh, projects he uh, regularly finds himself um, being a part of are, you know, crazy ambitious. You know, the, the things that either if you ever said, hey, I'm going to go do this, people will say, you're crazy. You'll never be able to do that or, um, you know, something along those lines. He's, mm. he's you know, gone from um, building a, a rocket company which um, lands and refuels and refurbishes, you know, these rockets that go through reentry. And uh, I think everyone uh, for, for, you know, a decade and a half until... SpaceX landed their first rocket. Um, I said they would never ever be able to achieve that. Um, or you know, Tesla. Uh, obviously, um, prior to to Tesla's success, uh, electric cars were thought of as kind of boring and ugly, and um, um, you know, not realistic. Uh, and then the lots of other things like you mentioned the Boring Company, and, and that's probably uh, you know that's a really difficult challenge that um they're trying to to uh overcome with you know right now i think it's something like a million dollars per per meter or uh, i mean i'm probably wrong on that statistic mm. but it's very very expensive to to drill underground and and so um yeah. they're trying to bring that cost down obviously and then companies like Neuralink, which elon musk is obviously involved in heavily as well um, you know, trying to create an interface between computers and humans um, is, yeah, it's, it's really crazy stuff. Um, so he would be somebody, though, that I guess the point is at that younger, younger age, a little bit younger hmm. than you are now, was someone that you thought actually they're, they're doing some pretty cool stuff entrepreneurially, but yeah. also with physics and maybe I could do this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I definitely, I think I definitely was inspired by Elon Musk from, you know, maybe from the business perspective, but I mean, maybe this is simplistic, but I just really liked watching rockets take off and land. Uh, yeah. That was, yeah, I mean, I found that just amazing. And um, that, that probably fed um, or, or helped create an interest in, in business. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's funny what inspires us, isn't it? On the podcast, I often talk with people and sometimes it is those like childhood TV shows, you know, like mm. I love Star Trek and now yeah. I am involved in space or, you know, there's often mm. those links between what you enjoyed um, in your younger years. So yeah. I'd love to talk a little bit about Vexed and, you know, how did that start? Um, I know you've been involved with UCE. Mm. Um, yeah, what's that? What? what's the journey been like? I, I remember seeing you pitch at one of the events um, quite a long time ago now, like I'm thinking a year ago. So mm. if you could just talk us through 
I guess how you got involved in that, you know, being a student, but then starting something new. And then I'd love to hear about what it is that you're doing today. Yeah. Um, so if we you know, wind back quite a while to, to um, my initial kind of involvement in, in the, with the UCE and trying to get into business, um, I, I basically came to the, the UCE with you know, a ludicrous business idea that, that um, uh, you know, was pretty crazy. And, and um, James, uh, James Carr in particular um, just gave me a lot of support and mentorship and guidance. And um, I ended up uh, studying, um, a, doing a course which he taught called um, Business 290. I think it's um, an of... 290 now and that was all about um uh starting it was all about entrepreneurships and new ventures and, and um i learned a lot throughout that process and i started it taught me to to think about business as solutions to problems um which i guess i hadn't really thought too much about um prior to that and uh i ended up um near the end of that course i ended up i get i received a few voicemail and i i thought yeah this is the worst experience i've i've had with technology in a while um and uh that led me to to start working on um vexed which um uh, initially was kind of a simple idea of uh converting voicemail to text and displaying it in a mobile app um i wrote in uh, my co-founder Lucy, who uh, is a computer scientist, she's actually sitting behind me right now. Um, yeah, yeah uh, and we um, we both were lucky enough to receive you know more support from the UCE um, in the form of scholarships to work on that idea over over the summer, and um, we we did the summer startup program, which that was a part of, and uh, kind of. Did some, uh, did a whole lot of research and talking to to people who got a lot of voicemail and um, yeah, and it kind of just went from there. Um, we launched uh, a, a minimum viable product in August last year, and today we've got um, probably close to uh, you know three and a half thousand monthly active users and um, and uh, now a team of eleven. So that's uh, yeah, it's crazy stuff. Yeah, no, that's really good though. It's and it's been fun watching your journey because I'm based here in Christchurch as well and mm. seeing you pitch at different things and the UC summer um, one, but then mm. other ones you've done as well. Right. So um, yeah. yeah, it's been cool to see you progressing and, and watching the journey and being able to help with little, little bits and pieces and privacy policy, I think in terms and conditions yeah. and some of the stuff like that, right. The nuts and bolts that you need. Definitely. Um, so can you just tell us a little bit, like you've mentioned the, the voice to text um, and just describe maybe um, what was the pain point that you saw there and how it is that it actually works. What is it that mm. you're actually providing? Mm. So the initial pain point that we came across um, was really that, uh, you know, keeping up with voice messages for especially when you're someone like a tradesperson, you know, a small business owner who is constantly working throughout the day and might be going from meeting to meeting or in a, in a situation where you're an electrician or, or some, some, something similar, um, you know, you're going from job to job and you often can't answer the phone and you can't quickly 
check your voice messages because um, just for a variety of reasons. And so to, um, I guess, improve on that, that pain point to, to provide some kind of a solution, we decided to um, build this uh, mobile application, which today uh, what we do um, is uh, take our users' voicemail, convert, convert the messages to text, and then do things like um, email forwarding. Um, we utilize uh, natural language processing to detect when messages could be important and highlight that for our users. We um, just released uh, Vex for Slack, um, which uh, allows people to check their messages through um, Slack if they, if, they, if they prefer to do it that way. Um, and then we're working on some really interesting stuff um, at the moment, including providing kind of a, a personal assistant uh, digitally for our users mm -hmm. um, in the form of uh, basically an uh, IVR system, which will answer your phone for you and communicate to callers things like um, maybe you're in a meeting at the moment and you'll be free in like half an hour, anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So it's really using technology to the best extent you can, right? And making life easier. Definitely. I mean, you know, phone, you know, phone calls and, and, and voice messages is something that really, I don't think will go away. Um, uh, people like to communicate um, uh, in, a, in a variety of different ways. And, and voice is one of them. It's a massive part of our lives and it's a massive part of business as well. Um, you know, it's really easy to mis miscommunicate uh, when, you're, when you're communicating by text and voice gives you that extra dimension of, um, you know, emotion and, and all of the, the other um, real uh, subtleties of the human voice. And mm -hmm. I think it's really powerful. Yeah, I agree completely. And that's why I do the podcast rather than sort of having the written transcript mm. of the interview. I think the word is so important. And these days the podcast gets a couple hundred listens to every episode. And I know yeah. that people are enjoying the connection of actually hearing somebody explain their life story in their own words. And there's something about just hearing the way people express themselves. You can actually really connect a lot more easier, easily than, you know, here's a paragraph um, written, which has its own place, but the, the voice is yeah. really, really, I agree. So just talk us to us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. You know, you've been mm. through these accelerator programs and things. What, what would you say are some of the key things that you've learned on your own journey um, that, you know, using your time machine and you go back and talk to yourself as you're first starting out, what, were, what would be some of the things that you wished you'd known? Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And that's a hard question to answer. Um, I think, I'm not so sure um, if there are things that I wish I knew, maybe. Um, I think there are some, some important things that have really helped me a lot. Um, and, you know, that's, that's you know, persist, like being persistent and you know, not giving up on, on um, things without, you know, enough. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, I mean... Early how are you on, coping, it was really... How are you coping right now? Maybe just to keep on that, that you know, we're right as we're recording this in the middle of COVID-19 and the lockdown and, you know, like how are you finding that you're able to stay resilient and, and keep going um, through challenges like this? 
Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, um, one of the big parts of the way uh, I guess I cope and, and keep on top of my own mental health is um, trying to keep uh, you know exercise uh, as a as a big part of my life. You know, making sure I'm uh, going on runs or whatever whatever um, that looks like. It could literally just be you know doing a few press ups or whatever. Um, you know, I find that helps me out a lot, um, and it's really important that I you know, I keep myself healthy because, um, you know, one of, one of the biggest, um, things that I'm responsible for is making sure my team, uh, are feeling good and, 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 um, are staying on top of their health and, um, so that they can do the, the best work that they can. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's a lot of things. I mean, just making sure you're having, you're still having fun. Uh, my flat, um, and I just for, for context, I live with, six other people so uh, it's a big big uh group and not not so much of a big house um and the other night we had a uh we had a a, a decades themed dress up um kind of party and and played uh, played beer pong it was the first time i'd really uh had a, had more than a few drinks in quite a while so it was yeah and it was it was great great uh way to kind of relax and um you know bond with my flatmates and and Take a break, keeping things keeping things light in the midst of yeah. the heaviness of of um, whatever you're going through. Exactly. Yeah. I'm. I'm. Uh, you know. I'm someone who always tries to uh, lighten the mood in, in tense situations. You know, I've got a Nerf gun at work, and I consistently will shoot my employees um, uh, when they're least expecting it, just <laughs> because it's important to have fun and making sure that everyone feels um comfortable um you know uh, joking around and, and yeah i don't i don't ever want anyone to to uh feel like they can't you know have fun at work because that's really important um and you know yeah it's a, it's important to me yeah no that's good and in terms of your future plans or where you see vexed heading to um yeah can you describe a little bit about that and i know you just said that your team has grown quite a lot recently right Mm. Yeah, so um, there's a lot. There's a, there's, uh, a lot of things that we're working on in terms of, I guess, a broader future for us. I mean, I think telecommunications in general are really moving toward um, digital and, and you know, non-physical, um, uh, if that makes sense. Um, you know, landlines are becoming less, less um, and less common. And I think... Um, uh, more and more we are seeing business um, run kind of from the palm of your hand on your phone. Um, and I think uh, telecommunications is really heading in that direction as well. So I think more and more we'll see, um, uh, I guess, uh, business phones and um, uh, things like that turning into you know, applications and software where, where today they might be, you know, copper wires and, and and um, buttons. Uh, so that's that's what we want to be a part of. Um, and I think uh, we've got a great team to really do that. Uh, I think um, there's there's lots of uh, different areas that could be re- really interesting for us in the future, including like artificial intelligence. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm honestly, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty open. Um, we'll just, yeah. 
just see what comes. It's interesting though, the things you identified there, you know, like the landlines becoming less common. And mm. Sometimes when you're filling in a form, you get to that point where you put your contact details. Mm. And I'm always kind of laughing because like, you know, um, mobile, home phone, fax. Mm. And I just, mm. you know, I'm not going to put my fax number. I'm not <laughs> going to put my, I don't, we don't have a landline. You know, I have my yeah. mobile number and that's it. So yeah, um, exactly. It's a real shift though, even from 10 years ago, mm. those would have been like, of course you've got a landline. Everybody has. One. So yeah. It's yeah, of course. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, uh, you know, people in the telecommunications industry right now, are regularly speaking about uh, what's being called a race to the bottom in terms of um, prices and what, um, what hosting, you know, say, um, uh, voice over um, IP phones online allows um, companies like ourselves and, and heaps of others that are in this space to do is, is um, provide you know business phones at like a quarter of the price that that um, is currently out there. So so there's yeah it's it's moving really quickly and I guess with everything right now technology is is really allowing for such a just rapid pace of change. Yeah. So let's put on your future hat now. And uh, it's 10 years from now, it's 2030. Um, what do you think will have changed between now and then in that sort of area? It's a very wide question. So you can go whichever direction you want. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, 10 years from now, I think we'll see um, things like, um, and lots of people have seen it, like a viral video of, um, what's called the Google Duplex. It's a system where um, a human operator is unable to, basically unable to um, determine that they're speaking to to uh, artificially intelligent um, uh, reproduction of a human voice. So, so right. um, Google Duplex is able to, you know, uh, make bookings at restaurants or to take out over the phone. Um, answer qu queries from customers in real time and 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 come close at least to to uh, uh, appearing like a, you know just any other person and I think ten years from now that will be very it will probably be there where mm. um, where I think customer service agents is at least over the phone will be uh, probably totally replaced by systems like like Google Duplex. Mm. So you'll somehow input, I want to have dinner at eight o'clock on next Friday and the system will then take over. It will make the phone call to the restaurant. The person yep. picking up the phone at that end, assuming that's how they interact, um, mm. won't realize that it's not an actual person. And they'll say, I've, I'd like I've, to make a booking for Stephen Mo at eight o'clock, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think more than likely you'll be walking, say just as a hypothetical, you're walking um, in the afternoon with your partner and you're, you're speaking with each other and you're like, let's go out to the dinner tonight um, at this restaurant. And then you'll probably pick up your phone um, and Google Assistant, will, you'll, you'll say Google Assistant, hey, I'd like to, I, I want to get dinner tonight at 6.30 at this place. And then Google Assistant will make that call for you, make that booking. And probably on the other end, they probably won't speak to a human, I would I would guess it'll almost be um, another system like the one that's making the call, uh, answering and and automatically scheduling that booking. Yeah, um, yeah it's 
it's weird to think about, but I, I, I suspect probably, I suspect that kind of thing will be really quite common within probably five years, yeah. more, more so than 10. I, I, I could, couldn't tell you what 10 years will look like from yeah. now because, because the, the, the scale of, of kind of change is probably, yeah. I know it's so quick, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't even think like five years ago, it's probably changed a lot since, um, you know, what, yeah. what was available in 2015 versus 2020. Yeah. yeah. But that's the beauty of this podcast is it's a moment in time, you know, and <laughs> it's likely maybe in 80 years or something crazy, somebody's going to watch this video or listen to the podcast and hear us talking about this new technology and think smiling to themselves. They just had no idea. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so, yeah. yeah. That's, that's so old or something. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. It's really interesting. And, um, I guess only time will tell, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think I would probably, uh, welcome being able to, to have Domino's delivered at, at like, you know, a, a 10 word long phrase. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are, are afraid of what automation could do to things like unemployment. But I think, um, Probably, uh, you know, what's happened in the past is that as jobs have been automated away, new new ones have kind of appeared, and and uh, especially in things like the service mm. industry. So, um, yeah, I think we'll probably see more of that. Hopefully, you know, the people just have more time on their hands, and we're able to do more things that we're really passionate about, um, whether it be uh, hosting a podcast or you know going on a hike. Um, ideally that's what the future will look like yeah no i agree well it's been great to talk with you just to hear a bit about your background as well because i love you know hearing about your own immersion into computer games and your background there and then Mm. it's kind of you can see okay there's a natural progression into what you're doing today but then also hearing about you know where you are now and then where you're heading in the future Mm. Um, so yeah I just want to say thanks for coming on the podcast and and sharing a bit of your journey and we'll watch with interest and maybe let's do another one in a couple years and we'll see where it's all gotten to yeah totally well thanks for having me I mean hopefully uh, we were able to create something interesting with this and I, I look forward to listening to it myself great well I do hope you enjoyed that interview with Luke and really I just appreciated hearing his journey as a young entrepreneur and what some of the things are that he's focusing on for the future. If you enjoyed this, then you might want to check out some of the other episodes in the back catalog, because there's more than 175 of them. There's also a website at theseeds.nz, as well as a Twitter account and a Facebook account, and a LinkedIn page. Until next time!